Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer with you. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation Royal Pizza, Mediterranean Chicken. Uh, they've, uh, Royal Pizza was uh, the title sponsor of my Golden Bears broadcast on CJSR back in the late 1990s. So they've been on board with us in various different uh, shows for the last 19 seasons. All right, as promised, uh, because yesterday the Western Hockey League made a uh, significant announcement. They made it official. Uh, the Kootenai Ice going to Winnipeg. Uh, we'd like to catch up with WHL Commissioner Ron Robinson at least a couple times a year, once in the uh, during the season and then once in the summer. And Ron is kind enough to join us right now. Ron, how are you doing? Very good, Bob. Good. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I always uh, thought the, the move out of Edmonton, like I always knew that junior hockey would work in Edmonton. It uh, it has under the uh, OEG umbrella. That's an understatement. Uh, so I was a little disappointed to see the team move to Kootenai 20-plus years ago because they had really good hockey ops people there, like guys that knew players. You know, Bob Torrey was there, uh, Roy Stasiak, uh, Jeff Chanelth was there at that time. Um, and they had a lot of success. And because they had a lot of success, despite the fact that they were challenged attendance-wise, I, I know you tried to extend them multiple lifelines, but it, it, it was a little bit bittersweet seeing the team move to, you know, a, a capital city in Winnipeg that's probably better equipped to uh, to support a franchise like that. Yeah. So first of all, Bob, thanks very much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, these are these are very difficult decisions and something that we took a considerable amount of time to assess and. And, you know, for the first 10 years, as you as you've indicated, that they were very successful on the ice. So two championships, three overall. But really in 2011, when we had the championship series there and uh, the, the games were not sold out and attendance started to really decline from that point on um, and level out at a, at a point where, um, and this is not a reflection on the Chanos or the, or, the, uh, or the community or, quite frankly, the new ownership group. It was just a matter that... Uh, uh, they gave what they could give, and, and it wasn't enough in order to uh, maintain the franchise and be viable long-term. And so we looked at the opportunity that was available to us in Winnipeg, and of course, as you mentioned as well, 
We've had success coexisting in NHL markets before, and it's a very competitive market in Winnipeg, but we're confident under this ownership group with a new arena that it'll be a very successful franchise uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah, a couple of years until they have the new arena, and uh, the you know True North obviously has the Jets, and they have got the Manitoba Moose, and that's a different scenario. You don't have an AHL team in Edmonton and Calgary. Is there any concern over that, Ron? Well, first of all, we were not going to relocate to Winnipeg unless we had the full support cooperation of True North, and Mark Chipman has been outstanding. And, uh, you know, he's just a big picture guy who understands this is really about hockey development in the community and in the province, and it's a, a very integrated approach to things because this ownership group also owns the Rink Academy, has a very direct support um, involvement with minor hockey in Winnipeg, and, and as a result, there's kind of a unique connection there. And uh, uh, but we're, uh, we're with the you know with the True North and Jets cooperation, we think that uh, we can be uh, very successful there uh, uh, based on a, a new facility which will be tailor made for the WHL. Ron, my interpretation right now is the league, in many respects, at least from a business perspective, has never been healthier. That said, is it getting? Because I'm, I'm sure you get, you know, rich business guys from Western Canada every day calling you to buy franchises. In fact, I know that happens because I know one of them who calls you. So, but, but on that note, uh, you know, are we getting to a place here where it's going to be increasingly challenged for small market franchise in your uh, in your league? Well, first of all, I would I would differ a little bit, Bob. I think that uh, you know it's very challenging today uh, to attract people to live events with everything that can be piped into your own home and the comforts of home and you know an NHL hockey game on TV every night. Uh, but uh, our teams are doing a real good job in a very uh, a competitive sports market to uh, to attract fans. And our you know our attendance is a, is a bit of a challenge, but overall, uh, uh, you know we've been successful and we're very stable. And you know when you consider that this was only the second relocation in over 20 years in the league uh, that's uh, quite remarkable and uh, i think that uh, we're very fortunate in the markets that we currently have i don't want you to go north of 22 teams but is there been thoughts at all to expansion and adding more teams no not at all i think we could we'd really like to dial it back 20 teams that was probably the number that would be appropriate for the talent pool we have available for us to us in western canada and the u.s but right now um uh we're, we're fortunate uh, the, the markets that we did add as you know uh, turned out to be victoria and edmonton and, and consequently we couldn't be happier with our overall position in uh, western canada well now you're you know you got a team in victoria you got a team in uh obviously edmonton uh team in Regina and a team in Winnipeg. So you're in all four provincial capitals as well. That's got to help. That's, that's right. It does. We are really happy with our footprint. I think when you look at it, uh, uh, you know, we've got a, uh, we've had that ability to, and I think a big part of our success is to be able to coexist in, and that's a large part due to, of course, the fact that the, the Orders Entertainment Group and the Flames ownership uh, uh, own junior teams. But when you look at Vancouver, we've been successful for many years with Ron Toygo as an independent owner of the franchise, and uh, we're hoping that model will, will play out successfully in Winnipeg as well. WHL Commissioner Ron Robinson, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers. Now, you mentioned the 20 teams, and I see, I grew up watching, I grew up as a guy who wasn't good enough to play in the WHL when they had 12 teams, uh, because that's how good, you know, the, the league was really good. You're at 22. And one of the, are you concerned at, at some of the challenges that you're seeing with WHL teams at the Memorial Cup level at all over the course of the last few years, Ron? 
Yeah, well, certainly uh, we haven't as much success there as we'd like to see. Uh, you know, I think our first uh, priority, though, is to look at competitive balance and within our league, and we've got a very competitive league. You don't have to look any further than the Central Division this year where you can flip a coin on a given night who's yep. in first place or who's going to make the playoffs for that matter. But when you look at it, it's a... Uh, uh, it's really about our league and competitive balance first and foremost and to a lesser extent the Memorial Cup. Having said that, we'd love to be in a position obviously to uh, be more successful there lately, but you've got to respect what Ontario and Quebec bring to the table. They've got some outstanding teams each year and uh, it makes it challenging for us for sure. Uh, you did downsize your schedule because yes. some, some yeah. people, is there is there a correlation there that maybe your teams uh, you know, were too fatigued every year heading off to that yeah. championship? Well, I, you, know, you just look at our geography, and obviously travel has always been a challenge for us. Uh, but I think the things that we've done to the schedule, reducing the number of games to 68 was one thing, but also our divisional philosophy, both in the regular season and playoffs, limits the travel as much as possible. And we have a, a partial interlock within conferences as well. So all those things really help uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, I don't think we can use that as an excuse when we get to the, the national championship because, uh, uh, you know, I think we've done as much as we possibly can to, to limit the travel for the players. All right. Uh, last year was a tough year draft-wise for the Western Hockey League, just two first-rounders uh, in, in, at all coming out of the, the dub. This year, you could have two guys going in the top five, uh, certainly two, and I think it will be, you know, no lower than sixth or seventh, and you could have as many as, I don't know, six players go in the top 20. So very different year, and has that just reinforced the cyclical nature of the respective leagues? Yeah, I think it really does. I think uh, anytime you know there's going to be uh, ebbs and flows to the to the to the system and, and players that are produced, we have typically been pretty consistent. Uh, last year was a bit of an off year, but this year we're going to come back back like gangbusters. I think we could have as many as seven or more in the first round alone, and we've got some great stories, of course, uh, to tell as part of that. And uh, you just have to look no further than the Fort Saskatchewan's Kirby Doc, who's in Saskatoon, or what Dylan Cousins is doing in the Left Bridge, and those are going to be big names in this year's draft for sure. Yeah, a pair of. Uh... Cousins is six foot three, right shot out of the Yukon. Uh, Doc is six foot. Geez, to me, it looks like he's about six foot four and a half uh, out of uh, Fort Saskatchewan. The, the Oil Kings are going to have a bit of a run here. I know that. Uh, I don't know if Bob Nicholson reached out to you in terms of uh, getting some background on Kurt Hill, who worked for you at one time. But the fact of the matter is. Uh, you know, Randy Hanch drafted a kid by the name of Matthew Robertson. He also drafted Jake Neighbors. And then, uh, you know, the Oil Kings this past year got Dylan Gunther number one. I've seen Gunther. I don't think I've seen a guy like him out of the dub in a long time because he's primarily a shooter. And a lot of Canadian kids really are, are focused on passing the puck. But uh, suffice to say, there's going to be a lot of reasons for Oil King fans to, to watch the team here over the next uh, three or four years with kids that are going to go, and all three of those kids are going to go in the first round of the uh, NHL draft. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, they've got some real good young talent there, and that's a credit to their organization and the work they've done from a scouting standpoint. And, and um, you know, that's uh, proved to be very, very, almost getting some immediate results uh, with some of the veteran players they've got this season leading to that central division. So, no, the Oil Kings have uh, have done a good job, and uh, and you know we used to go back to Randy Hanch and his scouting ability, but I think Kurt has now uh, been handed a very good organization, and he's putting some real good pieces together and done a good job in terms of a new coaching staff. So I think uh, all of that adds up to some uh, uh, pretty exciting days ahead for the uh, for the Oil Kings. This text comes in from uh, the Budapest, uh, who's an Edmonton-based lawyer, and he says, Bob, can you ask Mr. Robinson about the status of exceptional player application for Matt, I believe it's, is it pronounced uh, Savoy, Savoy? Yeah, out, of, yeah. out of Edmonton here? 
Yes, we understand that Matt's uh, and his family have applied for exceptional status. We're not involved in that process. That's a process which Hockey Canada okay. um, handles, and uh, we are uh, uh, will certainly uh, wait the outcome of that. Which I think sometime uh, this spring, I think probably in April or so, we'll get some results on that but we're not involved directly uh, but we understand that the application has been made all right and i guess where we're going with this here just so people are unaware th- this would allow savoy who's he's expected to be the the first pick in the whl draft this year uh to play in the western league next year as a 15 year old and it's been a long time Have, has, has, there's never been an exceptional player in the western league has there been in terms of no there, no there, no there hasn't no i mean you had like, I can remember when, uh, you know, you've had 14- and 15-year-olds playing. You're like, uh, uh, Goodall and Gervais were in Seattle at, at like, 14. That goes, that, that goes back a long, long time. Long the before. Rules right now, yeah, <laughs> the that, rules right now don't uh, allow 15-year-old players in our league. So this would be different. We have uh, the ability for players to join our teams at the conclusion of the season or play a maximum of five games. Uh, right now it's 15-year-olds. So this would be um, uh, definitely a, uh, a different look uh, for our league. And, uh, and uh I think the important thing is right now to let the process uh, uh, be handled by Hockey Canada and the people who have experience in this because uh, it's been certainly something that's been in existence in Ontario and Quebec before. Ron, uh, I sat on a committee with you going back almost uh, 18, 17 years now uh, with the WHL education program. Uh, Right now, two of the three best uh, university teams in Canada are completely... Uh, filled by Western Hockey League graduates. Uh, this program has grown and grown. How many players across Canada currently are in WHL scholarships? Well, and of course, Bob, as you know, the University of Alberta has been our flagship uh, defending national champions and the roster entirely made up of Western Hockey League players on scholarship. Uh, we're very proud of that. And as you mentioned, uh, the University of Saskatchewan uh, has always had a good program as well, and the Canada West University League is outstanding. But we're really uh, proud. This is the first time you'll hear this. We've just um, uh, moved past the 400 mark. We have 402 players uh, currently on WHL scholarships, and many, of course, which are playing university hockey and uh, at a very high level. And uh, you know, we're very proud of the fact that uh, you know we're developing players not only uh, for professional hockey purposes, but also to take full advantage of the scholarship program. So 400 student-athletes across the country, I believe that would make you guys the largest private donor of uh, scholarship money in this country right now. Do you think the words, like, do you think people have come to terms and realized that there's, and and by the way, the kids don't have to play hockey. If they decide at uh, 2021 that they want to move on and just focus solely on school, there's no, you, you don't make the team, you don't get the scholarship. That's not how it works. You put the time in in the Western League, you get the scholarship regardless of whether or not you play hockey moving forward. That's right, exactly, Bob. It's an academic scholarship, so if you're not required to play hockey. Uh, many students certainly take advantage of the fact that they can play Canadian University hockey, but it's a, it's a purely academic, and the flexibility allows them to take any post-secondary career-enhancing trade program or anything uh, they wish to and, and pursue it with the benefits that they've earned over the period of time. But the credit goes to the ownership within our league. Uh, when you look at activation levels now, over 50% of our players are taking advantage of the scholarship and our owners are, have really stepped up and, uh, and are uh, funding us significantly uh, uh, over the years. Do you find that, uh, you know, in terms of that battle between kids that want to stay and play junior A and go the NCAA route uh, versus kids that, you know, I mean, the advice I give to, to parents when they ask me, it's pretty simple. If, if, if you think your kid can play pro, 
<laughs> he should be going, the, you know, and he's physically mature enough. Uh, and, and the other part of it is mentally mature enough. It's a slam dunk to play in a league that is the most pro style in the, the 70 games or the 68 games now uh, certainly is more conducive. And, and, the, and the fallback is, you know, you've still got your education. Is that message, do you think, gotten out there across Western Canada? Do you think, uh, for the most part, hockey people have helped communicate that? Or, um, you know, or do you still see a battle in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the best kids uh, in the, uh, you know, kids good enough to play in the WHL in the WHL? Well, I think all of us in Canada want to keep the top players in our Canadian system. And as the WHL is the top level of the system, we're pleased we have over 95% of those top prospects remaining in our system and a large part in large part that's due to our scholarship program and the good thing for families today and young players is that uh, when they're making decisions they don't have to worry about education because regardless of the direction they end up the education is going to be taken care of and I think that's the most important so they can really focus on their hockey development and as you said if they're ready to play and uh, ready to enter the Western Hockey League I think they see that as with education and the scholarship program guaranteed um, a really attractive way to go. Last year, uh, Moose Jaw, Regina, Swift Current, uh, you know, those teams were loaded for bear. Um, but this year there's, and maybe it's a little bit of a surprise, and maybe it harkens us back to the uh, mid-1980s when PA won the uh, Memorial Cup with, uh, you know, Manny Viveros, who coached Swift last year, a star defenseman on their team, and they had one of the toughest teams ever, but they had skill too. But Prince Albert this year, the number one ranked team right now in the CHL, are you a little bit surprised? I think they're 41-6-2 this year. They've got a ridiculous... And they, I, to my knowledge, did they really even load up for the run here? Or they just kind of stick with what they got? Well, they're a solid lineup, and I think everybody knew they would be a, a real solid team this year. And, and But I don't think anybody saw the start that they had coming at all, and they really dominated uh, the first half of the season. And uh, uh, they're deep throughout their entire lineup. They've got good goaltending. Uh, they're well coached and uh, and uh, you know they work hard. They got a good team game and and uh, they uh, they are tough to play against. And uh, that combined with some of a turnover in the East Division, I think, has helped them a little bit. To be honest with you, with with current Regina, you know, rebuilding and and uh, but then that maybe helped a little bit in their start. But they're full marks for their. Uh, quality of their team and, and they will be uh, uh, they'll be one of our top teams and certainly the number one ranked team throughout the course of the season in the CHL. Ron, it would be great for the CHL if a uh, market size of you know Prince Albert were to win the Memorial Cup. I mean, first got to win your league but uh, that would be an amazing story. Uh, we appreciate the time. We'll, we'll hook up down the road, Ron. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much for having me, Bob. You bet. Uh, yeah, that's Ron Robinson. He is the uh, commissioner of the Western Hockey League. And, you know, they've got a uh, <laughs> when I when I mention the fact that from a business, I, I know there's lots of guys out there that want to get into that league. Uh, tenants and settled markets are a challenge right now. That's a given. We'll take a quick timeout. It's 151 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. It's 154 in Edmonton to this day in Oilers history, brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter vacation package with New West Travel. Receive free parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Go online at newwesttravel.com for all your vacation dreams. Back to 1979-80, January 30th, 1980. What happened, Brendan Escott? 
Well, Bob, this day is 49th career NHL game. Rookie Wayne Gretzky records his first four-assist game in the NHL. Edmonton won 8-1 to at Los Angeles, and Gretzky also scored a goal in the game for a total of five points. Ah, that Wayne from the Edmonton operation. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, <laughs> by the way, 1984, I'm told, via the text line, was the year that he appeared on The uh, Young and the Restless. Uh, coming up. Tonight on uh, Inside Sports, Dave Campbell. Reed gets Reed got a full week off. He's back tomorrow, but it, yeah, full week. Yeah, there okay. you go. By the way, you're doing Friday's show because I'll be on the bird. Okay, did you know that? Yeah, I did. You up for it? I'm prepared. What does Dave have tonight? I know he uh, was stuck and couldn't get anybody better, so I'm joining up at 6.15. Who else does he got? Uh, Joseph Gambardella will join him. I mentioned the AHL's Player of the Week. He's on a tear. Senior editor and NFL analyst for the Action Network, Chris Raybon, who was supposed to be on last night, will be on tonight instead. All right, tomorrow on Oilers Now, we will have Louis DeBrusque. And Brian Burke. Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Uh, Also, a fluid show. We're working on one other special guest for you. He'll be special, trust me. Uh, Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody from Oilers Now. I'll rejoin you tomorrow. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.